It's Radio Radar, son! Uh, hi everyone, this is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar. This is Radio Radar, episode 51, and we have a humdinger for you today. Uh, up top, we have Connor Sheridan breaking down the differences between the PlayStation 4 Pro and 2017's Xbox Scorpio. This also leads into an extended conversation about the realities of 4K and HDR televisions currently on the market, and these are the machines that you really need to take advantage of the technology in new consoles. It's a really interesting listen. From there, we go into an all-Dragon Quest, all-the-time discussion. Breaking down Dragon Quest Builders, the new spin-off to the classic JRPG series, and the recent remake of Dragon Quest VII for the Nintendo 3DS, and we close with a little talking about how we hate watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Listen on. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. She's got class in style. Street knowledge by the pound. All right. I, all right. I, I don't mean to criticize. No? You've done this one before. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel it today. I feel, okay. I feel... <laughs> Unlike last time you were just phoning it in. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think last time, and plus, like, did we even get to the, the second verse? The second Blackstreet verse, post-Dr. Dre? There are more verses we did it last to that time? song? I don't... <laughs> I, I just remember us uh, debating whether it's back it up or bag it bag up. Bag it up, right. Right, and yeah. what that signifies. Also, totally unrelated, uh, if you haven't seen Straight Outta Compton... You gotta watch that shiz. That's a good movie. You said it's really amazing. Oh my god, it's so good. It's incredible. Also, um, I did not know this at the time. I'm like, man, the guy that got to play Ice Cube looks exactly like him. I don't know, because it's his son. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) It is is his son. Oh, that's incredible. Oh my god, he looks exactly like him. But yes, uh, even if you don't really care about uh, gangster rap, or that part of the music scene, you will still absolutely find it fascinating. Yeah, and yeah, like I gotta, I gotta see that. If, I, if Walk the Line list. can be nominated for an Academy Award, Walk the Line is really of, good too. Yeah, but like Straight Outta Compton should have been too, and it wasn't. And it and wasn't, which I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. That was about a whole thing. It was, yeah, I know. <laughs> so good, uh, incredibly well acted, incredibly well written. Go see it. Moving on. Games. Yeah, everybody, we are we are uh, not a '90s gangster rap podcast yet. Uh, we are Radio Radar, and welcome to episode 51. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and I am joined by a another uh, newcomer to the Radio Radar podcast. We've had a nice flow of new new voices on here. Uh, fresh with his new microphone, we have Connor Sheridan. What's going on, Connor? I'm feeling Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity, Anthony. yes uh by the way connor if at any point you ever want to bust out a slow jam feel free oh i know Uh, know. there are no there are no slow jam rules here uh at radio radar it's just an equal opportunity slow jam extravaganza i wouldn't be here Uh, if there were so i wish good to know (laughs) now i actually i wish i did have like a drive time soundboard right here like if we could (laughs) just damn it uh that person laughing you hear is none other than Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Cruising down the street in my 6-4, jocking the people. I'm not, no misogyny on this podcast. I'm trying to avoid it. So, 
<laughs> Speed up that jam a little bit. And uh, returning from the wilds across across the land, she has been everywhere. We have executive editor Susan Arndt back in the hot seat. I have returned from the land of Hakuna Matata. How was it out there? It Susan? was how okay. Was, so how first, was Oklahoma? Uh, first, I was at uh, Disney World, mm-hmm. uh, the Animal Kingdom, which is awesome. It's so incredible. It's extremely. It 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 is the beneficiary of decades of theme park design knowledge. So it's laid out really, really well. It's really gorgeous. Uh, the The one problem I have with it is that Hakuna Matata is freaking everywhere. Nope, set it on fire. Shut it down. Oh my God. Cause in case you're not familiar, it's uh, the, the whole shtick of uh, the animal kingdom is that it represents parts of Africa and Asia. So you'll you'll walk through like a representative of uh, a representation of a town or a, a place in Africa, and then there's a part that's Mount Everest, and you know you see tigers and elephants and giraffes and zebras and all that. It's awesome. But Lion King takes place in Africa. Lion King has Hakuna Matata, and oh, it's just it's just everywhere. It's just every, you can't escape it. You can't. And then you, you're singing it. And you don't even realize you're singing it. It's it's. <laughs> Just, it's a little scary. Uh, but then the last week, is complete. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're like, yes, you're one of us. Uh, and then last week, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, for the very first uh, ever Tulsa Games Expo, which was really great. Uh, I was not expecting it to be as great as it was, but first of all, Tulsa is a rad little town. I gotta mm. say, uh, the food is incredible. Major, major foodie kind of town. But without that sort of hipstery douchiness that foodie towns often have. How far did you have to walk to get to the restaurants? Five were, minutes. Were they really, clo- were they really close by? Yeah, they like, but actually close, not like Anthony close. They're really close. They're yeah. always really close. Yeah. So that was great. But now I'm back. I'm here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and we we will. We, I know that there was one game that you were playing on the road. Uh, and that you you have a, a contentious relationship with. I do. Uh, it's about questing and thunder lizards. Will we yep. will get? We'll to come. That. We'll circle back. Uh, before we get there, though, Connor Sheridan has put together uh, one feature on Games Radar that I actually found profoundly useful, and I, I think all of us were sitting there the day after you wrote it, Connor, sitting there being like. Why didn't we think of this in the first place? <laughs> like, why the hell weren't we planning on writing this immediately? You did a quick breakdown of all of the differences between the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is the upgraded PlayStation 4 that is coming out the first week of November, and the, the Xbox Scorpio, which, it, it's not even called the Xbox Scorpio or the Xbox One Scorpio at this point. It's Project Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Because nobody at Microsoft Game Studios has ever seen The Simpsons and didn't know that that was already an Albert Brooks character. But, uh, we do know some things or about that machine. maybe they did. Or maybe they did. <laughs> oh, man. And it's, it's, just, it's just Albert Brooks with a flamethrower. That's what you buy in a box. And he, he runs a Cliffy B game. Like, you put the disc in Albert Brooks's mouth. And he just uh, runs around your house. And, and he just starts beaming colored lighting everywhere. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just pouring out of his eyes and mouth. 
So Albert Brooks is the new Hugh? Is that what that yes. is? Yes. Okay. Yes, Albert, Bro- <laughs> Albert Brooks is the new Hugh. Brent Spiner corrupts him and his friends. No, we're getting... We're, God damn it, we always get into the Star Trek weeds. I was... Uh, dude, I was going with the, the, the thing that turns the back of your TV different colors, depending on what you're watching. Right, the, the Microsoft oh. patent. And then I took it to the Borg that they adopted. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it, it's inevitable. All right, Connor, d- walk us through this, man. For anybody in, For anybody that doesn't know this arcane knowledge... What are the primary differences between these two machines? Uh, well, I mean, the primary difference is that they're coming out about a year separate from each other. Uh, mm. So, you know, I, don't, I, can, I can never remember if it's Godwin's Law or Moore's Law, which is the Nazi one or the semi, like the transistor one. But one of those laws dictates that, you know, uh, hardware components are going to get cheaper and faster as time goes on. So, I mean, basically right there, Project Scorpio has more time to cook. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more powerful, a little bit more affordable in terms of that power than PS4 Pro. But uh, we don't actually know that many specs for uh, Project Scorpio yet because Microsoft is understandably being a little bit, you know, they're playing it cool. They're not uh, just laying everything out there yet. Uh, So as far as the things we actually know about the differences between Pro and Scorpio, uh, well, it, it it comes down to the flops. You know, uh, as all things do. Um, uh, PS4 Pro is supposed to have uh, its graphics processor, I believe, is supposed to have 4.2 teraflops of uh, processing power, and the Scorpio is supposed to have 6. And that's basically the only really hard comparison we can make in terms of performance. And a performance comparison is really important for these two consoles because, you know, it's not like you're talking about uh, well, what does a Wii U really do? Does it really matter? No, not really. Uh, it really matters here because this is the whole point. Uh, right. The entire point you'd want to get a Pro or a Scorpio is if you want your games to look better, if you want them to look good on a 4K TV. Uh, and at this point, we all we really know is that they're both very 4K focused, 4K mm. HDR focused. So, all right. And the, what we know about their their functionality, I, this is this is where I think a lot of people get confused. And I actually, because Dave planted a horrible goddamn thought in my I'm brain. Sorry. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. sorry. I'm sorry. What the hell is wrong with you, Dave? Like, sorry. Why am I actually thinking about buying a new television? And you were like, I'm thinking about it for Final Fantasy 15, and I'm like, oh, oh shit, god damn man. it. Now I'm thinking about it, but it's a good, it's a good thing. No, Susan, this, this ends in a good place. This ends in a good place. (laughs) I don't believe Uh, you. Because, because Dave planted the horrible thought that colonized my, my brain, my Blaine, my David Blaine, (laughs) uh, I started researching a little bit more about 4K televisions and HDR ready televisions. Yeah, that's what I did too. Because I was like, well, I have to figure out what this stuff is and does if I want to buy a new one. And then I think we right. both kind of came to the same conclusion. We, we came is... to the same conclusion. And, and I am lucky enough that I am able to uh, talk to some folks who have a little bit of inside dirt. My, my brother actually works uh, for Corning Incorporated, who produce Gorilla Glass, which is oh, the glass yeah. on your iPhone and your iPad and pretty much all HD television screens. And so he and his boys, whenever I have a question about uh, a new computer monitor or a television, I always go to he and his guys at Corning. 
And the consensus is, uh, don't buy one of these televisions right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because that seems to be the word. Right, and and the the real reason is this: if you go and you buy a 4K television, uh, the difference between that image uh, and your standard really nice 1080p television is going to be so negligible as to just sort of be meaningless. Uh, you know, even if you're watching a, a Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray movie uh, and a regular old Blu-ray, the image quality is not going to be demonstrably different. And that's why Sony made such a big deal about HDR mm-hmm. at its conference. Well, and like... I, 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 the yeah, uh, just the like I, in in some of my own research, I was reading that like the, there have been I don't know if they're like official studies, but it's sort of the general consensus that if you hold up a a 4K image without HDR and a 1080 image with HDR, mm-hmm. uh, the HDR image uh, is is usually picked to be the the higher quality one, even though it's a lower resolution. Yes. Yes. Okay. The yeah, colors. Okay. Like, the dynamic mm-hmm. range of the colors, like, people prefer the quality of that image more. Precisely. And so, Susan, you and I and Dave, the week the PS4 Pro was announced, were, were musing about, like, well, why is Sony doing this now, and what is their vested interest in releasing the Pro uh, in terms of their ambitions to revivify their television business? Mm-hmm. And here's the big deal, everybody. HDR... There is no standard for HDR yet. Nope. It's like Blu-ray and uh, HD DVD back in the day. There was a format war brewing with HDR. And Sony and Samsung have gone all in on HDR 10. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. To, yeah, that's yeah. the open source one. There's a, tr- it's a, Dolby, there's a Dolby HDR and mm-hmm. HDR 10. Yes. Dolby HDR requires that you buy the Dolby license, so only yes. uh, a few TVs actually have that capability. Whereas HDR10 is open source, so it's free for TV manufacturers to um, to use and make it. But it's relatively new, so like I, I was looking up stuff about some TVs, and like one of the TVs I was looking at had the Dolby. HDR compatibility, but didn't have HDR10, but because HDR10 was open source, they could just patch that in, whereas Dolby requires a specific chip to be in the TV. So if you buy a TV that doesn't have Dolby, you can't get Dolby. Uh, Whereas if you buy a TV with Dolby that doesn't have HDR, they could just patch it in later. uh, Interesting. As long as it's, like, compliant. Yeah. So, it's... It's a, it's weird. It's like a weird wild west right now, and nobody can figure out like which one of these two is going to be the dominant form of HDR. Yeah, it, and it, so it for anybody, oh, go ahead. Kyle. It doesn't help Sorry. that HDR has meant like ten different things or applied to ten different things in the last yes. ten years. Remember right. when Half Life Two Valve was really excited because they put HDR in that? Yeah, HDR lighting there. <laughs> your your uh, right. iPhone camera can take HDR photos, which is a totally different thing from hdr tv sets yeah it's yeah. it's all a jump like when yeah. the jump from sd to hd tv was like okay well there are a few extra options but it's at least like 
easy well you know you have more pixels that's easy to understand but there's because there's no like even 4k for a while there was no real like single definition about what that meant and even like you know people bandy about 4k but it's not true 4k it's just like an upscaled 4k but they can still say it's 4k because yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 4K it's, never actually meant like it's four thousand by something else. Yeah, it's yeah. so you know, is it two thousand pixels by some other pixels? Is but it it's not. It's not that hundred pixels. <laughs> right. Could be. And and so you get you get into this murky territory, and I mean, I, I so when I got in touch with my brother, I was like, "Yo, dog, what are the hot TVs?" And he was like, well, there are, there are these Samsungs. These are, like, affordable, and they're highly rated for gaming. And so Samsung has this line. It's their 2016 models, but they, they're not the highest-end model. And it says, like, HDR premium standard. And you're like, oh, so it does HDR. And then you do a little digging, and you're like, oh, it does HDR10. But the HDR premium tag that's on there is basically their way of being like, it's sort of HDR, but not really. It meets it meets the FCC's requirements to be called HDR. But if you test these televisions with a gaming machine that currently does HDR, like the PlayStation 4 since the OS update or the Xbox One S, you're not even seeing a demonstrable increase in the depth of color, which the whole point of the format it's it's like buying a snack that says trans fat free and they can yes. get away with it because it has just under 0.5 grams of trans fat yes yes exactly oh. so like the sh- the short and long of this everybody is that there there are the the ps4 pro and the xbox scorpio are very very invested in selling you the the term 4k but at the end of the day, where the television industry is going, the machines that you're going to need in tandem with these things to take the most advantage of them, uh, jury's out. That, that tech is, is not quite ready for consumer primetime. Yeah, and I would add that if you're not all that excited about 4K, for valid reasons as we just demonstrated, the console that you should probably be a little bit more excited about right now is, is Project Scorpio. Because Microsoft hasn't tethered it to 4K quite as much, and mm. what's really important is they've uh, they've said that they're considering doing kind of like a, a rolling console. You know, like it's it's all just an Xbox family now. So in a couple of years, there might be Scorpio only games, or Scorpio and above. You know, uh, whereas with Sony, they've pretty explicitly said no. Pro is just always going to have better looking versions of games that you can also play on PS4. So if you're really interested in buying, you know, kind of a step up as opposed to something that's just going to make your games look better, it seems like Scorpio is more along that line. And obviously we won't know that entirely until Microsoft actually lands out the thing instead Mm -hmm. of just acknowledging at the end of something else because it's leaked so much that they basically have to. Uh, Connor, you also did a breakdown for the PS4 Slim, which is now out in the wild. And the Xbox One S, which is also out in the wild. Uh, these are pretty much standard models of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One we've known for the past three years. Uh, cosmetically, they're, they're both improved. They're sleek, they're smaller, they're sexy. 
But there are some features in the Xbox One S that are not in the PS4 Slim. Uh, yeah, for starters, weirdly, you can play ultra-high-def discs, uh, Blu-ray discs, in Xbox One S, and you can't in uh, PS4 Slim. It's not actually PS4 Slim, it's just the new PS4, but for, you know, for clarity's sake, we can call it the Slim. Uh, so that's kind of weird, since Sony kind of got the whole Blu-ray thing started, but maybe the UHD isn't so much their uh, their angle. You know, they're going for the everything streaming sort of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, the Xbox One S has actually been demonstrated to have a little bit of a performance advantage over the original Xbox One. Yeah, uh, whereas the slim uh, PS4 is, as far as we can tell, it's basically to similar a similar performance i mean i'm sure the internals are somewhat different you know their systems on chips are smaller but it's just it's all the same experience just in a smaller package mm. and since the performance difference between xbox one uh and ps4 were mostly minimal before uh it seems like you know with with the s improving the performance a little bit that's probably evened it out to a certain extent and I wonder if that's... Uh, Microsoft has very explicitly not made a big deal of the performance games because they are so minimal here. Yeah. But I, I do wonder if this is part of the de-Don matriking of Xbox that <laughs> they put out a new console that performs a little bit better and puts a little bit less emphasis on, you know, the TV tuner and all that stuff, although it still can't do that. Um, and just kind of, like, bringing it in line with PS4 as they move forward into, you know, refocusing on games instead well, like, of being the all-in-one yeah. entertainment system. The, the S doesn't even have, like, a proper connect port, right? Like, you need an adapter. You need an adapter. It still has a USB port that they recommend you plug the connect into, but yes, you need an adapter for it. And you can get... If, if you have an Xbox One and a connect, you can mail away for a free connect adapter through, like, ah! November, I think. But yeah, yeah, otherwise you have to buy it for like, I think it's like 15 or 20 bucks or something. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I I, I have, uh, over the past three years, very much preferred my PlayStation 4 over Xbox One. And purely uh, because of exclusives and uh, performance. I've, like, even since they refreshed the Xbox One interface... I, I don't know why that is what they did with their UI, but I, I hate using it. I've even, you know, gone down the Windows 10 hole to play some Xbox games recently. I, I was playing ReCore uh, on my Windows 10, and you still have to use what is basically the Xbox One dashboard to get to those Xbox games. And I was like, ugh, I hate this. But at the end of the day, like, all the P's that everybody was freaking out about for you know two years there were like this game is 900p on xbox one <laughs> therefore it's shit like the differences are so negligible dave and i the other day a digital foundry was doing a video of doing a deep dive on the playstation 4 pros specs and they were like well you can see here you know like this is the resolution differences we would see between playstation 4 and xbox one games and it flashed between two images of Metal Gear Solid Five. one rendering at, you know, it's outputting at 1080p and the other one outputting at 900p. And the, the narrator was like, look at the dramatic difference. There was no goddamn difference. <laughs> the only was... difference was I think the shadow was in a different spot because the cutscene took place at a different time of day. Right, yeah. Like, it wasn't even, like, it wasn't even 
technological. It was just like, oh, well, there's this shadow on Snake's face because the sun is a little bit lower in the video game sky. Uh, yeah, you know, Susan, you said when, when we did our whole PS4 Pro uh, discussion the week it came out, you said that if you were going to make a choice uh, to get a console, you would go with the PS4 Slim. Correct. Like yes. This fall. And I, I like the more I have learned about the state of monitors and televisions that will take advantage of what the Scorpio and PS4 Pro do. That's it. Like if you are a Halo lover and don't have a PC, go get an Xbox One S. If you want to play Yakuza and Bloodborne and The Last Guardian things like that. Go get a PS4 Slim, because the the televisions that you need to really take advantage of these things are just not ready for price. Honestly, like, I think I would still get a PS4 Pro, but that's just because, like, the the gains and the power, like, it remains to be seen whether they help load times or whether they help graphics processing or whatever. Right. But the, the, the thing for me... Uh, and one of the reasons why I'm thinking about upgrading is uh, the bigger hard drive, one terabyte versus five hundred. Oh gigabytes. my god! I'm okay. I don't. Do you guys remember the clean out the fridge quote? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think of that constantly because I constantly have to clean out my PS4 fridge, mm-hmm. and I don't have movies on it or anything. It's all just games. Yeah. So yeah, I would. That would. That would be a reason to upgrade for me. Is and is the bigger hard drive. Yeah, Can't and you it's, just put a bigger hard drive in your current PS4. It's, it's very easy to put a new well, hard drive. I mean, in your yes, PS4. but it's also like okay, so I could buy a new terabyte hard drive for like up to a hundred bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. or I could spend that hundred dollars, sell my PS4 for two hundred dollars, and then just eat the cost and be like, okay, well, now I have a better PS4 mm, with the bigger yeah. hard drive. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is that the hard drive in the PS4 Pro is still a hard drive. It is like a, you know, it's it's a disc, it's a hard disc drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you spend just a little bit more money, you get a solid state drive for your existing PlayStation 4. And that will demonstrably improve load times, actually. Oh, that's, that's true. That, that's a thing. Uh, so, you know. And it's it's not about... difficult to do, right? To, no. to swap no. out hard drives? Susan, check this out. There is a Prime tutorial on how to swap out your hard drive oh really anthony radar.com what's What's that website again anthony oh that's (laughs) gamesradar.com gamesradar.web but you need to go get a dot com but but here's the thing it's not it's not easy to do by by the standards of people who fiddle with their computers all the time because sure bless those people they have no idea how advanced they are it's actually easy to do for anybody. For regular I actually know yes. that I'm quite advanced, Susan, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm secure in my advancement. Uh, yeah, the, this, the, getting a solid-state drive, that is... I'm, I'm sincerely thinking about doing that with my, with my PS4 because my biggest thing is always, like, I don't care about a faster frame rate for a lot of these games. I don't give a damn. I'm not a competitive uh, right. gamer. I don't, I don't play the shooters... And I'm looking for that split second response time. I think it is it is significant to add here, Anthony, that perhaps you are not the best performance evaluator since 60 FPS games regularly make you physically (laughs) ill. Good point. That's that's really 
true, Connor. Like, that's the thing. Every single time I hear, like, uh, you know, a, a developer being like, yeah, our PS4 Pro uh, enhancement will be, like, the same game you know and love, but up to 60 frames per second. And my body just goes, no. <laughs> no. See, that's, that's, a, that's what I would call an atypical response. <laughs> Don't do it. Man, you should have seen me. I was playing Resident Evil 4 HD, uh, which, uh, like, the, the increase in frame rate, they bumped it up to 60 frames per second, and it literally breaks the game. Uh, there, are, there are elements of the game, like chickens in Resident Evil 4 lay eggs that you can use for healing. But the frequency with which they lay eggs is tied to the frame rate yep. in the code. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now steps, that it's man. 60 frames. So, so yeah. they're basically like little machine guns is what you're saying. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're popping it out. Yeah. It's no, like, like sh- Dark Souls 2, the uh, the HD version of that game that came out on Xbox One and PS4 had a bug for, I don't know, I don't know if they fixed it or not, but it had a bug for the longest time that because the game was running at 60 frames a second, your weapons would degrade faster. Yeah. Yep. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. because weapon degradation was tied to frame rate. Oh my goodness! That's bad this programming. Is, this this is why <laughs> well, we it's do your programming big that works for the system at the time. Yes, and yes. then you change the system and you forget to go back. Yeah. Uh, yes, you need to build things with intent. You need to build things specifically to your specifications. And all three of you have been building things in a wonderful game recently. Uh, called Dragon Quest Builders. Taste that segue, Dave. Hey, I, was, that segue. I was going to mention it. You were like no. complaining about people mentioning your segues, and then you no, just... Dave, I, I, just can, I could dip I, right back in. I could feel Dave right now. I could feel Dave being like, segue! And then I'm, I'm, I beg everyone every week to make animated GIFs of all of us riding segues doing donuts. Um, but yeah, Dragon Quest Builders. There's a demo out finally for this this awesome new Dragon Quest game that's going to be out on PlayStation 4 and PS Vita on October 14th. It is Susan Susan you've described it in the best way. It is directed Minecraft. Yes. Uh and Connor just played a bunch of it last night and and you have some good things to say about it, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, it kind of reminds me just of, you know, back in the old days making a little Lego town. And you're just picking out minifigures and deciding where they should live and saying like, oh, there should be a there should be a seat here so they can sit down after their long, hard Lego day. And, you know, it's not like from what I've played so far, it's not high stakes at all. Uh, The toughest monster encounters you can just kind of run away from. But you're just going out and gathering materials and just making things for people who need them. And yeah, like Susan said, directed Minecraft. It's uh. It, you, you actually it really is because there are certain things where you can get blueprints and you are literally laying down blocks on top of these blueprints just mm-hmm. like you're making a lego model and that sounds awful but it just feels great to do just like making a lego kit you know so what can, can you like walk i i think i'm the only one here who hasn't played dragon quest builders yet. yeah i, I played a build a decent build of it at pax and then there's the demo that's out now so what do you physically do like what is the process you turn on the game and then blah okay so the dealio is you're in an area that has been trashed yes right it takes place at the end of dragon warrior or dragon quest one right because dragon Uh quest one you get to the final boss and the final boss says hey you could fight me and rid the land of evil 
Or you could be a dick and join me, and we could rule everything forever. And this takes place, like, a hundred years after the bad ending. Like, you chose to ruin everything. Right. And monsters, monsters control the land. Because you're a tool. I had no idea there was that connection. And so it's, you, you roll up, and it's like, well, hey, wouldn't it be great if we rebuilt stuff and the world was nice again? And so the, the first part of the game is, is, it's basically your tutorial. It's, okay, first you got to make a house. And then, oh, but it's dark in the house, so you gotta you gotta figure out how to put light in the house. And then, oh, that's really nice, but no one's gonna live there if there isn't a bed. So you make a bed, and you it it works you through the concepts of this is a thing that needs to be built. These are the materials you need to build that thing. Uh, at, go out into the world and collect X, Y, and Z because those are the resources you need to make the thing to put in the other thing, and then people will come back and start populating your town. It's kind of harvest. It's like harvest moon meets Minecraft. Really reminds me of, it reminds me of dark cloud with all the bullshit. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Dark cloud one or two. Um, two. I didn't, I've never gotten that far in two. Like I, I've never gotten to the part in two where they start letting you build stuff just because that intro takes forever. It really does. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's basically like, the, the combat is very simplified. It feels like uh, even more simplified than like a Zelda game. You can run around, you can hit hit monsters, and uh, when you defeat monsters, they drop stuff. It's all like real-time kind of top-down combat. Uh, but yeah, it's like, okay, so you have this quest, you get the materials, you build the houses, and then that gets you more stuff, which you can then use to build more stuff, and then you go out to other locations to rebuild other places. And yeah, like uh, I, I was playing that PAX demo, I was like, this feels like Dark Cloud. This feels like what I wanted Dark Cloud to be. Uh, mm. Without, like... Because, you know, the Dark Cloud has... It, it, it still has a lot of those roots in the very old-school RPG design, which is meant to break you at every turn. Um, whereas this is is way more light Yeah, it's, it's and, a lot thinner. It's, it's yeah. stripped down a lot. Yeah, it, for, for those of you who maybe haven't played Dark Cloud one or two recently you super relevant games very relevant hey, very relevant. relevant hey they're on ps4 so. they are they are they they are actually uh dark cloud 2 is 15 bucks on the shop it's a great game but yeah dave is not wrong it's overstuffed you will get, you will move to a new area you will have a list of uh goals for that area you know restore the bakery have a certain person work at the bakery have 10 trees and when you had what when you achieve those goals you the next goals open up and they get more and more complicated as they go and the and the goal of every area is to revitalize it so that people will come back and live there and it's once again a thriving place and it's the same deal here so i'm trying to think about how this plays out over a long period of time uh, Connor, you you played, you said, like, an hour of it last night, and you didn't really even finish the demo. Oh, no, yeah, I feel like I'm probably maybe halfway through the demo. I, I believe the demo is just the first island, because that, that's the way they portion off uh, advancement. You just complete, you level up your little town by making it nice, and then I believe you just go to the next island. Hmm. Uh, do you, do you... <clears throat> How do you think that this is going to feel as it scales? Like, do you foresee a situation where all of a sudden you're thinking, like, oh, man, I, I, I've done 
like this putting together this blueprint putting together this lego town was really really fun at first but now i've done it like for 30 hours and do, do you see it getting more complex is there a sense of it changing or is it just what it is it seems like the blueprints and the various rooms that you need to put together as you progress will become more complex so i doubt you'll just be putting together you know the the introductory stonemason's room too many times chances are when i go to the next island i'll have a level two stonemason room to put together and uh so it will feel a little bit different there um as far as feeling varied i mean this definitely does seem like a game that if you went hard at it it could get repetitive easily Mm. uh but it also to me just seems like the ideal travel game which is nice because i'm playing it on vita because you could just pick it up and just kind of chill out with it you know put some blocks down get a couple quests accomplished for the cheerful little townspeople which is another thing i like by the way i'm not really huge into the other dragon quest games because i just am not that big into you know traditional jrpg combat but Mm. i liked all the trappings of dragon quest i like the the goofy little characters the light attitude the The illustrations the puns oh my god the puns and the everything has to alliterate it's like what's the main they can't exist in this world if it can't alliterate bildrick yeah build his name is bildrick yep (laughs) bildrick the builder (laughs) that's not a name that's not a name for people You can change it, but, like, even the character customization is just part of, like, the settings menu. They make it really clear that it doesn't actually matter. You're just there to put blocks down. Um, But, yeah, so I think think if you went hard at it, it could definitely get repetitive fast. But if you're just kind of looking for a game to just pick up, play for 30 minutes, you know, maybe 10, 30 minutes, feel like you've accomplished something, it seems like it's going to scratch that itch pretty well. How does it feel on the Vita? Does it look looking like the controls good oh yeah controls controls great um the only problem i've had with it is it can be just a little bit fiddly to try and get the blocks like the outline right where you want it just because the beat sticks aren't perfect but i mean like i said it's low pressure so it's not like there's ever going to be a situation where you have to put this pot down or else you're going to have to replay the last you know 20 minutes um so you don't need it running at 60 frames per second for precise block placement (laughs) (laughs) well because like what what uh dragon quest builders does is um when you're in the town like the parts where you're doing the building you're in these little towns there's a flag in the middle and that flag kind of creates a safe zone for you and i don't think monsters can ever get in that so when you're when you're meant to build something um like there 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 are parts uh like in the pax demo there was a part where i declined this little tower uh out in the field so i was like placing bricks down but i I, you know i wasn't doing any hardcore like oh my god i have to build this building to take out this monster oh my god they're attacking me so like when you're in the cities um it's it's really low stress which is are you sure that monsters could never invade because I don't... they keep talking about like being able to build golems and making like defensive structures and things yeah i don't like i i don't know like they were talking about how they had to build these walls to keep the monsters out but the impression that i got from the demo um that i played was like once that flag is down it's like it, it creates this aura that keeps the people inside of like around it safe because like the music changes when you leave yeah um to kind of denote that like okay like you know you're you're not safe anymore so i don't know it, it's possible that they change that up later i don't know um god, god damn it dave now i just 
as soon as you were like the impression I get, don't, and all of a sudden I hear. Bam, 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 to remember uh, about this game is that it is very much aimed at a younger audience. It is yeah. meant mm-hmm. to be the gateway drug for younger players to other Dragon Quest games. Yes, because they like that Minecraft. They well, like, yeah, they exactly. like the building. Yeah. yeah, I mean there yeah. are, there are kids who that's all. When it comes to video games, that's that's their entire world is Minecraft. So uh, I'm not sure how successful it. Like, if you're already playing Minecraft, why would you play Minecraft Lite? But um, yeah, so it's not it's not going to be high stress. It's not going to be, you know, a, a yeah. I, I brick mean, in one I, hand and a sword in the other. It's funny, like, I, I have the exact same feeling you do, Susan, where I'm like, if you're already playing Minecraft, why would you play something else like that? And then I remember when I was a kid being like, I like Castlevania. Ninja Gaiden is Castlevania with a sword. I'm going to do that now. Like, I can imagine, I can imagine wanting multiple flavors, especially when there are, like, slimes. Who doesn't want to see what that well, slime is all about? That's and, very and, true. Like, Bil- Builders has the story, too. So, like, it, like the, the I mean, like, the, there's a mode, I believe there's a mode that you can just kind of do whatever um yeah just generates a world but you know then there's the main story mode and that like it's it it guides you along and i could see um you know like a a different approach to i mean you know there are minecraft clones like crazy on steam and a lot that's true that's true well so um like i i could i could see someone like a kid who's really into minecraft going like i like that i want more of that but different and seeing like goofy cartoon people little slimes and yeah the slimes are great something that i think this game uh and then i just uh, realized what i was thinking about it, that it's just doing it is really cool is so many games talk about you going through oh you know a lost world a world that's been stricken by some horrible event centuries before and you have to rebuild it by killing a bunch of stuff mm. Uh, but in this game you're actually literally going through the world and rebuilding it and you're setting an example to you know these other villagers that like hey you can recreate too you can uh have this power as well it's just i i just needed to show it to you so i think kind of thematically it's, it's kind of cool that it's it's a little bit different and it actually makes sense of the mechanics you're not just a roving band of murder hobos <laughs> actually, roving know. band you're... of murder hobos mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get to the dragon quest game that's about a roving band of murder hobos <laughs> <laughs> that's my D campaign man nice uh it's really funny connor like hearing that description and just hearing you talk about the gameplay in dragon quest builders it sounds less like minecraft and more like a modern act razor it like uh, it kind of sounds like that's that's the spirit of the campaign no dude it's yeah it it's minecraft it's well, Minecraft. it's, I mean, it's top-down Minecraft, where you're not, like, as far as I can tell, you're not, like, digging deep into the earth to find materials, but maybe I just haven't gotten that far yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, the, the idea of Actraiser, where you're kind of restoring this world and, like, being this hopeful thing, not just uh, something that's going through levels and wrecking everything. Because <laughs> that was one of the cool things about Actraiser, and that uh, good, good uh, deep cut there is you actually felt connected to this world because you are building it and you are protecting it. Yeah. Um, and you're doing the same thing here. And you're getting so, more people you know, to, to join your town as well. 
Like, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're going out and, like, like the when you first get to the town, there's one person there, and then you do a bunch of stuff for them, and they're like, hey, there's someone else, uh, can you go find and rescue them? And then you bring them back, and then you do stuff for them, and then your town starts to grow. Um, which, yeah, like, that that's not, that's not really the thing that Minecraft does. I mean, yeah. like, there, there's some of that, but it's not the focus, you know? Yeah. And Minecraft is awesome. I think Minecraft is a oh, great yeah. game. I'm so glad it exists, uh, you know, what the creator's gone on to do aside. Uh, but <laughs> I just don't, you know, I can only enjoy Minecraft if I can sit down for eight hours and just, like, trance out to it and just, like, start, like, okay, I'm going to make my house, wake up five hours later. I am at the center of the earth. <laughs> And there's a burning skeleton trying to kill me. See, that's I, cool, I, but I can't do that anymore. I don't have that time. So yeah, that's true. Builders has a similar appeal. What were you gonna say, Susan? Oh, I just see. I I love Minecraft, and I love that it lets you build whatever. But I don't have that kind of imagination. Yeah. I really love the the positivity of rebuilding something and getting people to come back and form community. That's a big part of. Uh, why games like Story of Seasons and Harvest Moon appeal to me because it's all about bringing life back to something that has fallen into disrepair. So I really dig that. But I just don't have the imagination for Minecraft, which is why I'm so into the idea of Dragon Quest Builders because it's it's the creation and the building, but they tell you what to do. Yeah. And there may, yeah, be, yeah. there may be some room, like once you pass the tutorial part, for a little bit of flair for some... You know, I would like to make a house with turrets as opposed to just they tell you exactly, exactly what to do. I don't know, but I'd like to make a house with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are no roofs. And the thing is, is like, uh, like the, the game has these blueprints that you can copy verbatim, much like a Lego booklet. Um, but you don't have to like the the one of the quests was just like. Okay, we need you to build a room. It has to have these specific things in it. Uh, it needs to have a bed. It needs to have a stove. It needs to have this, 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 and this. And then, like, you could use the blueprint, or you could just do whatever. See, I like that. I like that. Something yeah. that, and it's also uh, something that this might be a better game for uh, some kids is to be the segue to Minecraft. Hmm. Here, yeah. let me let me give you some structure for your creativity. It's like coloring books, right? Like a coloring book is, I will give you the picture, you just put the color in it. And that can help kids segue to, I'm going to draw my own picture now. And, and learning the various ways to translate your creativity into something is... Uh, super, super positive, obviously. But instead of just, this is the problem a lot of people have with open worlds, open world games. They just kind of drop you and it's like, go do whatever. And they feel so overwhelmed by all the options that they just kind of freeze. So giving giving them that kind of guidance uh, or sort of loose structure can be really helpful and uh, improve their enjoyment overall. Yeah, this is the first time I saw a hunger meter pop up and I wasn't like immediately annoyed. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, I can deal with this. Because, like, usually with, with survival games, like you said, Susan, you know, they just drop you in and, you know, you're probably going to die 80 times, but you'll start having a ton of fun when you put 100 hours into it. And this kind of, like, this way evens out that slope. So I'm sure you won't get to the highs of, you know, 
in Rust when you've constructed a, a <laughs> kill tower that like none of the newbies can get to and there's just hordes of naked bodies at your feet. But uh, it will have its own kind of fun, and I appreciate that. Connor, how is the how are the load times on the Vita version? Because that is always sort of the sticking block uh, with games that are ported are, are on both PlayStation Four and PS Vita. Sometimes uh, it works great. Odin Sphere Leaf Blower uh, is awesome. <laughs> <in my> <laughs> uh, but uh, I am a We didn't get the PS Vita version uh, in the United States. But the uh, apparently the Vita version is almost unplayable because the load times are so interminable. Yeah, I haven't played the PS4 version yet. I, I definitely want to before I decide uh, which of either I'm going to get it on. Uh, but on the Vita version, uh, when you first play, when you first load up the game, you first start your campaign, and it says creating your world. So I don't know if it has a randomly generated world every time or if it's always set for the campaign. It's probably set. Anyway, that only takes, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then the first time you save, it takes a little bit. But uh, between then, there's once you're on your island, there's really no loading at all. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it works fine. I have, I have no complaints because I, I kind of had the same worries going in that yeah. the, the loads just would make it not fun to deal with. But uh, it, it hasn't been a problem that I've seen. Dave and Susan, you guys played both on PlayStation 4, right? Correct. Yeah. And that game, and, and it's just super pretty, clean, yep. nice-looking yeah, Bright, game. bright, saturated colors. It's got that Dragon Quest look, which obviously either appeals to you or doesn't. I think it's awesome. Uh, the, the sound, fantastic. It's got all of the, the look and feel of a Dragon Quest game. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to play this game, and I think I'm going to end up playing it on Vita. Because, Connor, you, you were talking about how it's, you know, it is a relaxing time. Like, it's the kind of thing that you just pick up and chill out with for a few mm-hmm. minutes. And I, I that is something that I adore about Dragon Quest as a series. I do like traditional JRPG fighting. And I like that all of the games are sort of uh, uh, very relaxed. And uh, so there is already a new Dragon Quest game out this fall, not well, on Vita or PlayStation 4. There's the Nintendo 3DS version. You, you say new. It's new. Is it re- Well, it is new. It's new to me. It's new to us. It's, it's new to ve- many I mean, people. it's pretty much a new game, just with the same script, right? Yeah. It, it, well, so. <laughs> it, it is... It is me- As somebody who played and finished the PlayStation original of Dragon Quest VII, let me say that this is a, a very different game in many, many, many ways. But yeah, there is a Dragon Quest VII remake that just came out on Nintendo 3DS a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it is coming out in English for the first time, and it, it, it's actually been out in Japan for three years, where it was very warmly received. And I freaking love this game. I love it so much, uh, and I think I would go about calling if if anybody was unsold on playing this game, I would describe it as Final Lebowski Fantasy. Like it is, it is, it is a fantasy role-playing game where that somebody is, pisses on your rug. Somebody, <laughs> yeah, flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers comes in and pees on your rug before throwing a marmot in your bath. Uh, no, it's just it's it's super relaxed. It goes at a very weird pace. It's very very low stakes, and uh, 
a lot I think some people might not react super great to that. Some people don't like it. Susan and I have very different opinions on this game. Yes, we do. Uh, and Susan, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your experience with Dragon Quest VII, because this is your first time ever playing this entry in the series. That is correct. Yes. Uh, I would also mention, interestingly, I freaking hate the Big Lebowski. I dis- Oh, that is wow. interesting! I despise that movie. Wow. So, this I see, you know, I had... I gotta say, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go with this comparison... Because I have a feeling Susan wouldn't like that movie or that character. Nope. Hate it. And, and in my head, I could, just, nope. I could just hear Jeff Bridges being like, that's like your opinion. He man. is <laughs> a lazy, unambitious slob. Why should yes. I want this man to succeed on yes. any level? Why? Yes. Right. He is right. the anti-Raymond Chandler. Well, like, why, why? Like, I don't, I don't, I want him to get his rug back because it's his rug. For sure. <laughs> his car, too. Like, he doesn't deserve to have his rug stolen, but at the same time, like, get a goddamn job. Anyway. You don't you don't want things to work out with him and Julianne Moore? Get a job. <laughs> the bum's lost, sir! The bum's lost. Hey, he was Dragon a roadie for Metallica Quest. during the Speed of Sound tour. Great, awesome. So. Get a job. Earn okay, a so... living. Anyway. So this is this is actually relevant to Dragon Quest Seven. It is because at the beginning of this game, you have uh, characters who you're like, "Get a job." Here's the you damn kids. No, here's the okay. So here, first of all, just to be clear, I do not think Dragon Quest Seven is a bad game. It is not. Right. Not by any stretch of the imagination is it bad. It is gorgeous to look at. The sound is exceptional. So good. Uh, and I I actually like some of the things that it does mechanically. It breaks up the dungeons into... The, the shtick of it is you find a room that has a number of maps in it. Each map represents a different island. As you restore each map, you are transported to the island in question, and it's basically a dungeon. And you finish the dungeon, and the island is restored, and hooray. Isn't that nice? It's a, okay. it's a dungeon and a town. Yeah, yeah, it's a dungeon and a town. And this is, this is uh, in this game, very similar to Dragon Quest Builders, before you start visiting these islands, you think that there is only one island in the entire world. Right. And that's because all of the other land masses in the world were sealed away years ago. Right. So you are you are going, you're finding a town and a dungeon, you get through it, and then you're restoring your world. Yes. In the present. Yes. Um, and what I like about that is it cuts the gameplay into very nice discrete chunks that the thing about like something like dragon quest eight uh it's a it's a huge game it can be very overwhelming and dragon quest seven chops it up very nicely so you can which lends itself extremely well to being on the 3ds so you can have a very clearly defined stopping and stop uh, start and stop point and also the game if you've put it away for a little while you can hit the info uh, section on your menu, and it tells you where the next map piece is, uh, what what the latest thing to happen in the game is. It, it's basically a refresh your memory button. So if you forget what you've been doing because you know you haven't picked this up since the last time you were commuting, and you kind of forget, it it let, brings you back up to speed lightning fast. That is all fantastic. I don't care about a single character in this game, not one, <laughs> not one. You okay? Well, you don't- 
you don't like Dragon Ball Z guy and then other Dragon Ball Z guy and so, like, Dragon Ball Z girl and their adventures. You are the son of a fisherman. Uh, you have no discernible personality, but okay, you're the protagonist. You're not really supposed to. That's fine. Your your best bud is Prince Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yeah. And you are your Dragon Ball Link from Zelda. Yeah. It's Dragon Ball Link. And Kiefer Sutherland. Prince Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> whose, whose entire personality is defined by, I want to go have an adventure. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Then the mayor's daughter, Maribel, tags along. She's a complete bitch. Yeah, Maribitch. She, has, yeah, Maribel... she, she just is. Like, there's no subtlety to the character at all. There's nothing. She has one note. She's a bitch. Like, she insists on tagging along. And then when you get into a scrap, she's like, this is all your fault. Take me home right now. Like, Fuck you! Like, you're the one who decided to come! come. <laughs> Jesus! Right? Okay. So, uh, it'll, you will be playing this easily for an hour, hour and a half before actually doing anything. Other yes, than yeah. running back and forth. You go to the temple, you go to the town, you go to the castle, you go back to the temple, you go to the beach, you go back to your house. Oh, wait, it's nighttime, we gotta sleep, everybody take a nap. Oh, go back to the pal- Like, it's just... And it's it's really it's tough it's a tough sell that first my clock was an hour and twenty four minutes before that first fight yeah and the funny thing is is that is actually far less time between start and the first real action that you run into in Persona Four and that's that's a, but, yeah but the story of Persona but Four is really exact, interesting exactly exactly yeah. you don't have the kind of like deep character right out the gates yeah. that that you find in a in in a more modern Japanese role playing. Well, game. and and Persona 4 is also like you're not really running back and forth. You're just kind of being guided through correct text yes. prompts yes. and stuff. Right. Whereas this is it's like not only do you have that like oh all of these characters are very like archetypal one note kind of people you are just hoofing it back and forth between the same three or four locations. Right. Uh, and there's that, like, minute or two that it takes to walk between them, and mm-hmm. then you get there, and then you do the thing, and then you take another minute or two to walk to the other place. Um, yeah. I... And it's not... The, the overworld that you go through is not interesting, right? Yep. Uh, the, 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 the individual locations are all gorgeous, they yeah. the, the the temple is beautiful. The town is fun. Everything looks great, but the stuff in between is crap. It just it's not cool. So about after about five or six hours, the first when you've completed the first few islands, then you get the spell Zoom, which allows you you, you don't have to get in your boat and sail to a place. You can just you know do this one oh. magic spell and you're there. Great. So that that takes out a lot of the tedium, and. Uh, it, it takes care of some of the other stuff. But the problem is, I don't care. I don't right. care. There's no whimsy. There's no... <laughs> the only... The thing about Dragon Quest is, yes, okay, it's a very repetitious game, right? Lots of grinding and tons and tons of random enemy encounters. And that's okay because it looks so great, it sounds so great, and it's just so damn funny, yeah. It's a super, super whimsical series. It's very lighthearted and fun and charming. And none of that is coming through for me in 7. It's not... Dragon Quest 7 is is a very weird game in the Dragon Quest pantheon because it's the one that is sad and for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, 
at the very beginning you're in this place and it's just stagnant it's it's a town full of people where like the most interesting thing that happens all year is your dad goes out fishing that's true just like he did last year yeah and it's it's a bummer like maribel's a bitch because she's bored because there's no future for these people but it's not it's it's not conveying that though at all like everybody in town is super happy they don't right. ca- they don't care that the most interesting thing to happen all year is the fish harvest, which by the way they call it a harvest. Which that's funny. But yeah. I mean it's not it's there's just not much there to give a shit so, about. Uh, the the other thing Susan is when we started talking about this, you had uh just gotten through the town uh, and there's going to be light spoilers for like I would say the first ten hours of the game on this podcast, guys. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some spoilers, but here's the deal: this game takes about eighty hours. To yeah, play. I was gonna say it's like a hundred hour game, so ten percent of the game spoiled. Like that, that's a drop in the bucket. Right. So you had just gotten past a town that you find, and this is a, a dungeonless section. Correct. Of the game. Yes, which I thought was interesting. But, yeah, which is cool. You go to a town, and it's the first time that you encounter in the game something called the Grey Rain. Right. And everybody in this town has been turned into stone statues uh, by this, this demonic rain. And they've been there so long that you can't even turn... You can't reverse the spell without killing. Right. Like, if you turn them back into humans, they've weathered so much as statues that they would die anyway. Right. Uh, and this this was sort of the moment where you you were like uh, I'm not into it I'm not into this game. Yeah, I I actually I think that part was very interesting uh, right. from a storytelling point of view. That's cool, but <sighs> okay. So the bit the whole bit on the on the island is you, you go there. There's no dungeon, which is very interesting. That's actually very daring for a game that is this. Um, uh, 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 slight of focus yes for there to be no dungeon it's very interesting there's one guy left alive on the island he feels like this is his fault he feels like he should have been turned to stone with everybody else but he wasn't and he's there all alone and like you said everybody on the island is statues and they've they've the elements have weathered them away so much that there's no hope in ever bringing them back and then you're given the impression there's something you could do to fix it Mm mm-hmm and you find out that there isn't. And that is... That, that, that's a plot line. Yes. So that comes back later. And I get that. But it's not told in a satisfying way. You basically... You, hmm. do, this, you do this thing... So it, it, in order for it to have the emotional resonance of what happens... Is, you know, Again, slight spoilers, but really, 80-hour game. <laughs> There's a little boy who happened to be in his underground hideout when the rain happened. So he got turned into a statue, but because he wasn't exposed to the elements, his statue stayed perfect. So you actually do bring him back to life. And he has to realize that everyone he knows has been turned to stone. They're all gone. And, and this old guy is the, is the only person he ever knew who's still around. And they're going to go out and tell the world about the gray rain. And that could be a really poignant moment if this were a more sophisticated kind of game, but it's not going for that kind of sophistication. Right. It's very, the, the emotion, the emotional heft of Dragon Quest seven 
relies in and like it's funny i would say half of the experience of dragon quest 7 it requires the player to meet it more than halfway yeah like yeah. You, you need to really be willing to embrace the the looseness of this game to get anything out of it because there are these weirdly uh, emotional stories that you come across but it, it's very implied it like the, imp, the the heft of what happens to these characters is all about inference and implication. Uh, have you gotten to the island with robots yet? I have not. All right. So r- where you are in the game is right before you get your fourth party member. And before you get to... There, there is an island that is besieged by robots, automatons. And the, the, you start to get more into a rhythm of... Not only are you traveling to these islands, you're going way far into the past Mm -hmm. and so so you get more of an experience of seeing the you know as the islands you visit become more complex and more populated and and a little bit more uh you know complicated in terms of their layout you come to places where there's like more than one town there's more than Hmm. one dungeon okay They 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 start to increase in complexity you also start to see greater ramifications of what you're doing in the past and the people you know there and how that affects the present world. Okay. And, and like, personally, I find it really affecting because you're, you're controlling these characters whose lives were very, very empty that had not a lot going in them and they, they felt like something was wrong. And they get to see a richer world, the world that they wanted to be living in all along, come to life. And it's not dramatic. Like, there's no cutscene. There's no great big dialogue with them. And uh, something the game doesn't really emphasize, but that you should that you should remember to do every now and again, is pressing the B button at any given time in the overworld will allow you to talk to the members of your party. Right. And, you know, uh, where I am in the game uh, is where there's a really significant shakeup in the party. I'm about 15 hours in. Okay. And you're, you're at a festival at night, and I don't, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, because I don't think, I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't know if you're going to continue playing, Susan. I know Dave is, though. And uh, you, you get into this sort of nighttime festival, and the characters in your party break up. And they're sort of hanging out, and they only have one sentence apiece. It's not like you can like have like a rich, you know, social mm-hmm. like yeah. dialogue yeah. with them. But Maribel, sa- like, literally says her one line is like, "I can't believe I yelled at you that one time that you found me on the ship. That just seems so long ago. Thank you so much for taking me with you." Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's so simple, and it comes after so long and so many disconnected things. That it really does feel like like something you'd forgotten. That you just sort of... A dialogue that you have with somebody that you see all the time. And you're like, oh man, wasn't I a dick that one time? And they're like, holy shit, I, I'd totally forgotten that that even happened. I It's 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 a weird thing. But man, you, you really have to meet it on its terms. See, the, the way uh, I, I judge the characterization of an RPG, a party-based RPG. If a member of the party left... Because that happens often. They will, you know, they'll have to 
go off and do their own thing or whatever. Would I miss them? You could swap out everybody in my party right now with a completely new cast, and I wouldn't care as long as I still had a heal spell and a tank. Sure. You know, that, and that's, that is for me what is lacking. Like, again, mechanically, super sound, gorgeous, but I'm, I, I, there's nothing driving me forward to make any progress in this game. Dave, you were actually texting me last night about the game. Yeah. Uh, and and you said something. You said something that I I love. Like you, and it is very a very sort of simple sentiment. And you, you were like, it's the anti-video game. Yeah. It it has like it 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 doesn't adhere like it you know it doesn't adhere to the standards of modern games because it was made so long ago. But it didn't even adhere to the standards of games made then. No. Uh, and it it has its own sense of pace. It's Let's be clear. Purpose. This game came out in the U.S. the on the the original version came out one month before Metal Gear Solid Two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like that's that's kind of like, like it feels like a game out of time. Yeah. And um, I am kind. I'm enjoying it because of that. Like, yeah, uh, everything that says that Susan said is not wrong. Um, but part of that like is kind of charming to me and like i i i'm reminded of of playing uh, i am setsuna a few months ago every now and then that game comes and goes in my thoughts like a you know like like a mist and then instantly evaporates um and this is bringing up kind of memories of that and like that game was going for that same kind of feel but it felt unearned you know, like it felt like, oh, we we are trying to evoke those feelings. We are trying to feel like a classic game, but it it's just it it feels like it's copying rather than being its own thing. Whereas right. this is just like, nope, we're just gonna you you run around. All of the characters are, um, yeah, they're formulaic. You'll you'll go from island to island. That's the thing. All of the battles are the same. It's it's the same as it was from the first game. Like. Uh, you know the that sort of stuff. It's like I, we know what we want this game to be. We and it's a Dragon Quest game, and like that to me, I think is is really it's really interesting, especially to play it now in 2016. Yeah. Um, especially now, like like because I don't have that sort of connection to the series that that you do, Anthony, because like you've been playing these games for years, and I've kind of dabbled here and there. Uh, the most that I played was eight. And I only played it for a few hours, and the reason why I bought it was because it came with the Final Fantasy XII demo. Mm. So, um, see, this so is yeah, this so is like, the thing. Like, you know, we want it to be a Dragon Quest game. I would like it to be a good Dragon Quest game. <laughs> see, and, and I, like I fully admit that my affinity for this sort of Dragon Quest game comes from the fact that I've been playing since Dragon Quest One. Right. Okay. And yeah. And and Dragon Quest One is is the mitochondrial Eve of <laughs> like like this is this is the soul from whence they sprang. Uh, and, you know, like your your main character in the original game never speaks, and there are no other characters in your party. Like you're just a cipher, and that original game was very much from a place of of the world as the character, not mm-hmm. you and your party. 
Uh, and it, it's funny, like, yeah, I, I fully admit that, that that history that I have with the series, it, it, it affects the way I still play these games. I, pl I didn't even play the original Dragon Quest when it came out. My brother did, and I just played it with him. I was strategy guide kid next, to, next to him while he played. That's adorable. Right. Right, and I, I still name my main character what my... <laughs> I still name my character what my 13-year-old brother named, named the character when we played it together oh boy. way back in 1991. Yeah. My character <laughs> is still named Dick Nut. Oh my god! Because, <laughs> because a 9-year-old and a 13-year-old boy named that Dragon Quest character. What is wrong with boys? I need, I need this, to understand this. this. This puts a new light on everything. Jesus. <laughs> I imagine Dick Nut and Ballbeard would be best friends. Yeah, it's, it's like okay, uh, okay, but Ballbeard is not a sexual reference. No, or, Ballbeard yeah. is literally a reference to a, a lizard whose whose neck looks like it's made of balls. Yeah. Uh, this is explicitly phallic because a thirteen and a nine year old boy were trying to make each other laugh. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. I gotta keep that tradition alive. I gotta stay connected to my roots. Terrible. And it's just, it's every single time I open a, tre a treasure chest. Dick Nut found a seed of resilience. Oh my god. Dick Nut found a leather hat. <laughs> I, am a, I am a father. <laughs> I know. I am in charge of a life. Um, yeah. God, I, yeah. God it, it. So, I, I guess... We've been we've been saying a lot on the podcast recently. Dragon Quest Seven is out. Please go play Dragon Quest Seven. Mostly because uh, we also want to ensure that Dragon Quest Eleven, which is in production for uh, the PlayStation Four, NX, and uh, Nintendo 3DS. I, man, I I have my doubts if that 3DS version is going to come out because Eleven is so far from release. But Dragon Quest XI is also going to be a... It is the proper sequel to Dragon Quest VIII. This is going to be the very story and character-driven, uh, big, open Dragon Quest that Susan was really looking for oh, yeah. in VII. Uh, and it's important to know, going into this game, that that is not necessarily what this is. If you enjoyed the episodic structure of Dragon Quest VIII, because the first 60 or 70 hours of that is almost similar. Like, it's a big open world, but it's still like, now wander across the land and you'll find a town. And there's a dungeon nearby. And it's very episodic. And that's similar. But if you, you know, are going in because you want Yangus saying, core blimey, gov, <laughs> not, not happening. Not present. Not, not this game. But, uh... Okay, yeah. I don't... Okay, or at least just some shred of personality like Core Blimey Gov. <laughs> right. Something. Right. No, it's very... It is very, very bare-bones. This is the wireframe upon which more character-driven Dragon Quests are built. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Dragon Quest Seven, take it or leave it. One last thing before we go this week... Uh, is in terms of things that you could take or leave, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back on the air. Ah! And uh, this is a thing that you guys are going to have to get used to on the podcast. Susan and I hate watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, I would say <laughs> I Susan understand. more lo like, like genuinely has affection for this show 
than I do at this point. Yeah, that's point. true. Yeah, yeah. But, like, like my wife will walk into the living room, and I'll be sitting there watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, muttering like an angry <laughs> old man at a Trump rally. <laughs> You're like, God damn, son of a bitch! God, God damn it! Stupid and human! Like, my father-in-law everything. does that. He'll, like, he, like, whenever a character in, like, uh, The Good Wife does something deplorable, he's like, oh, asshole! It's like, dude, it's not, it's not real. Does he like that, too? <laughs> it's not real. Yep. <laughs> uh, so it is finally started. Uh, we're actually recording this right after the second episode of the season has aired, but Susan and I haven't seen it. We've seen the first one, wherein we, we find out that the team has been broken up and, uh, you know, obnoxious twee Brit scientists are, are <laughs> banging each other. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> A uh, secret service agent from the West Wing, who has also made a cameo in the Avengers. He's alive. He's got a new hand. Uh, Ming-Na Wen is still awesome and isn't given enough time to be super awesome. That is completely accurate. And, and then there's Ghost Rider, who's great. Ghost Rider is <laughs> great. No. Ghost Rider kicks ass. He does. It's ro- Yeah. It, he, he looks like Ghost Rider. He beats people up. He drives a, a flaming... Uh, gone in 60 seconds car and uh he almost kills uh the worst character in fantasy television history yes <laughs> completely uh, accurate. daisy who's now they're trying to call her quake because that was the character's name in the comics back in the day and it's just like stop trying to be cool yeah you can't get get out of here with your stupid little monster's eyeshadow oh and my your God. dumb code name and I s- leave Daisy. I said this on Twitter. Worst. Okay, so 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 Daisy has left Shield. Mm-hmm. She is off mm-hmm. doing her own thing. And I said this on Twitter. She's like, I am going to fight for justice and protect the innocent, but first, I must apply the perfect smoky eye. <laughs> it's just like the intro of the show. You see her putting on her lacy booty short panties. Yeah, it's really, like, like I don't understand why it's, like, the sex pot intro. I do, because uh, it's, when has that been an aspect of the character that she's supposed to be, like, the hot shit? I know. And, like, and she's, the thing, the thing that really, there's two things that really bug me about that. One is, is that it's, it's turning her into something gross. But two, she is tooching her booty. While she's putting this clothes on, like she is gonna snap her spine. She is tooching it so strong. Like women don't stand like that when they're putting on their underwear. Nope. Like no. S- like spoiler alert. We're trying not to fall over if we're standing on one foot. Okay, that's just true. <laughs> like a human. Like being. a human being. Yeah, but no, she's all like, oh, look at my perfect back arches. I pull I- on my panties to fight justice. I'm not, I'm also, I want to make sure that, like, it's clear that I'm not, like, oh, she's ugly. Like, oh, no, I'm no, not, no, I'm not, no. like, shaming this person. I just, like, don't understand why it's, like, all of a sudden, like, she's a rogue, and that's fucking hot, yeah. like a La Femme Nikita fan film. Yeah, no, like, she's, what, she's a what is beautiful this? woman, but stop it with the, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, and, yeah. And it, but she runs into Ghost Rider, the effects for which are actually very good. Yeah, he looks, yeah, he looks really good. strong. Uh, but she's, she's just like, she's superhero Mary Sue. She can mm-hmm. hack into anything. She's got superpowers. <laughs> she cares about justice. Her eye makeup is perfect. Her butt is fantastic. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing 
to like about this character and why they decided to put her at the center of S.H.I.E.L.D. when you have all, all these interesting characters around her, like Ming-Na Wen uh, and, yeah. and Agent Coulson. I, mm-hmm. like, I could just watch those two together for the, the entire 60-minute episode. Why isn't this show the adventures of Clark Gregg and Ming-Na Wen and their stupid spy I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's, that is the show I was initially promised. And, like, I, I, I keep... It is literally like I keep punching myself in the groin <laughs> year after year. Anthony, Susan, I have a suggestion the next time you're considering watching an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, episode. Don't. You just go on WhiteHouse.gov and you start a petition to say, Dear President Obama... No, please remove Daisy from this television show, Con- Connor. That already works. After that's how we got rid of the guy who was in Until Dawn. Grant Ward was finally killed after three years on that show, <laughs> and it's because of my White House dot petition. Order? Yeah. yeah, actually, well, it wasn't. It wasn't President Obama. Like Biden came in and signed it, and oh, he was yeah, like, "Absolutely, sense. I've had it with that guy." Because uh, Biden watches it on his train commute to Scranton. Yeah, and Biden was like, that guy's story arc was done two seasons ago. I don't understand why he's still on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Joe took care of this to be. <laughs> We're screwed. We're screwed just, with Daisy, though. I just... I... Well, it's because Joe Biden thinks she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> he loves his smoky eye. Joe feels... Biden likes his smoky eye. <laughs> it feels so nice to not care. Yeah, I can imagine that feels great. <laughs> I, I enjoy ele- the elements of the show that I enjoy. I really enjoy. Like, Agent yeah. Coulson is yeah. magic. Mm-hmm. He is pure magic. He it, Like, he can turn the most mundane line of dialogue into pure gold. Yeah. He's so yeah. good. So I will, I will keep tuning in every week just to see him because he is that good. Mm-hmm. And then they will try to make me give a shit about Daisy again. And I'm like, stop it. She's not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a Clark Gregg, I think Clark Gregg is probably just like one of my favorite actors out there. And he, he very much sort of has an identity as like, oh, that guy. Yeah. And like, you know, when he showed up as Agent Coulson in the original Iron Man, it was like, oh, it's that guy. Uh, but he's like, you know, he, he sort of came up. In the New York theater scene back in the 80s, like, he was, you know, working alongside David Mamet and William H. Macy, and he's just got that kind of, like, frickin' presence. He's just, like you said, he can he can take the dumbest, most mundane line, like, hey, get me a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden you're just enraptured with what he's doing. Yeah. And Ming-Na Wen is very similar. Like, yeah. her, her presence on screen, like, I, I kid myself. Like, I my, my brain is tricked. Where, like, all of a sudden I have the, the alcoholic's moment of clarity. It's like, wait a second. I hate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Why am I still watching it? It's 2016. Why is this still happening? And then she'll come on screen and be like, oh, that, she's awesome. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Damn. Uh, I also, a new addition to the show, he popped up at the end of last season, and he's another reason that I'm in, is I could not give two shits if quirky british scientists bang each other into oblivion that was like everybody was super invested in shipping fitz and simmons and i just want to be like get off my goddamn lawn you <laughs> no one cares no one cares 
But now there's a new quirky Brit. Oh, but new. And then he makes it's this mummy guy. It's the guy from the mummy. I know, it's... but he made a sex bot. Like no, 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 no. He made a life model decoy. Oh, that's like a big part of Marvel lore. Is that is that <laughs> Nick Fury and everybody use okay. these robots? Okay. He oh also God, made why? he made he did make a fuck okay. But does she <laughs> yeah. have to walk into the scene naked? I'm pretty sure she no. doesn't. No, she didn't. He he very uh, explicitly. Well, no. Let's. He didn't. The shitty Shield writers who keep Daisy in this show made it a sex bot. It's it's not his fault. The sex bot is supposed to be like an integral part of the Shield universe in the source material. You guys can't hear me. Can you say that again? Can you, you just? No. <laughs> Damn it. Well, the. <laughs> why couldn't he make it again? look like? Make it look like Simmons. Yeah, make it make it look like Ming Na Wen. Make it look, it look like, like right. Make it look Coulson. like. It, it, but it, why? 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 Why did she? Why? And I know the answer to this, but why? Why is she walking in naked? And she's all like, "Oh hi, it's it's nice to meet you." And it's oh. because uh, clearly ABC was like boning is the new way we sell. Well, this show. Yeah, I mean, yes. It's why Daisy is putting on her her panties in physically improbable ways at the beginning of the show. And, yeah, like, that's the new jam. Yeah, that's, it's, yes. It's no longer, hey, do people maybe care about Deathlock? No? Boobs? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think maybe it'll work. I'm here, I'm here to see Ghost Rider. Because, as we've already demonstrated on this podcast, I pretty much didn't get over being nine in 1991. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> so, like... Hearing everything that you guys are saying about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and hearing everything that I've heard about Agent Carter, like, makes me oh, wonder, Agent, like, Agent why, I, like they, they canceled the wrong show. Oh, they completely canceled the wrong show. There's no question. Yeah. 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 Agent Carter is so awesome, and it breaks my heart that they stopped doing it. It was always a much more expensive show. Uh, and like you could see that, like oh, that's the, the true. period yeah. costumes and the sets and everything, it was more complicated. But goddamn, was the juice worth the squeeze? That show is great. You, I it's swear, still to... the only Marvel show I've ever watched. You, oh yeah, did you get into both seasons, Connor? Yeah, I'm actually still like four or five seasons short of the end of uh, Agent Carter season two. Awesome, but I, yeah. I need to finish it up sometime. Yeah. yeah, man, it's, yeah, God, everybody, everybody in, in Agent Carter is so good, too. The guy that plays Howard Stark, Dominic Cooper, is hilarious on that show. Everybody's great on that show. Uh, Haley Atwell, who plays Sharon Carter, is apparently pushing to do a movie rather than uh, bring back, like, a full season of the show. Do it. It's like, do it. I do it. Watch the I'd watch the motion picture. Yeah. Did you watch the short that it all like started off of? Oh no, I haven't actually. I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah, it's it's good short. Man. They can do it. Uh, Where did you I think it was on like the DVD extras okay. for the original Captain America, I think. Oh, that's that's probably that's gotta be on YouTube at this point, right? I'd imagine. Or probably. Uh yeah, I think uh that's the okay. Let's let's run back down our recommendations for the week. Hey everybody. This is the news team here. Oh, uh yeah. <laughs> I just realized we didn't record that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. A lot of good things that we've recommended and told people not to do. I guess, Susan, your recommendations for the world are don't play Dragon Quest Seven 
if story is the most important thing to you in an RPG. Yeah. And uh, maybe Daisy should put on her underwear like a human being. Uh, maybe treat her like a person and treat and like not a, a plot device. There you go. Uh, and Dragon Quest Builders is a thing that everybody should play. Give it a shot. Uh, it's a free demo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Free demo. If you if you have a, a PlayStation device, uh, fire that fire that beast up. Um, yeah, everybody. We'll see you next week. I, are there any like significant releases coming up? Is there anything like crazy that's going on? Um, people are listening uh, to this a Monday from now. I don't think I can't even name what what's cool. Um, It'll be October. Mafia Three comes out next Friday. That's yep, right. Yeah, Dragon Mafia Quest 3. Builders comes out the week after that. Oh. Uh, PlayStation VR is also very soon. Also, uh, is that, uh, is that thing? next week is when Westworld starts on HBO. Oh, schnapps. Yeah. yeah. That looks awesome. That looks really cool. Uh, we will actually have, if you guys have never heard of Westworld uh, or have been seeing previews for the HBO show and are like, that looks super badass. We are going to have a breakdown of the 1973 original on Games Radar. Uh, likely by the time you're listening to this or shortly thereafter, so keep an eye out for that. That's going to be super cool. Uh, until then, yeah, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.